It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hello and welcome back to the Walker Report Extra podcast in association with Walks Brewery. Sunland are utterly horrific at the time of speaking and I'm absolutely tired of being nice about it. We lost again, this time against Gillingham, following on from defeats to League 2 relegation candidate Scunthorpe and Leicester's 12-year-old children. Everyone hates everything and we've got players telling fans to get lost for want of a better word. Um, so I hope that you're suitably geared up for this half hour injection of positivity if you are sit down grab a coffee and uh hopefully we'll try and improve the mood this week but to discuss saturday's massive game for ourselves and also for coventry we've got dominic from sidewayssammy.com how are you doing dom are you well yeah not too bad good mood's better up in coventry than i think or should i say down in coventry than it is in sunland you are doing relatively well this season. I absolutely hate football, but my first question for you is, why do we even like football? It's completely pointless, isn't it? Yeah, um, maybe I'm slightly uh, masochist in this <laughs> way, where I kind of view football as ultimately an unrewarding uh, pastime, but it's really just about those small moments of glory where, where you can take them, where... I think when when you're sitting watching your team chance to another then defeat, you just got to uh, grin and bear it and, and just remember those good times just are possibly, possibly not that far away or just remember the ones that were before. I mean, obviously with Coventry, we went through a spell where we didn't finish in the top six of the league for nearly half a century. So it was just each year that you're telling yourself that obviously like some football clubs eventually somehow stumble their way to success, even if it's sort of one odd season out of nowhere, and it'll eventually come. And it took dropping down to pretty much our lowest ebb in League Two for things to uh, find change and to learn that it is possible to have good times. Yeah, I mean... You know, looking at the the season that you have, and we're we're doing maybe not by league position doesn't look too bad, but you know it's not gone anywhere near like we wanted it to this season. But Coventry sit third despite having a bit of an odd summer where you actually lost, in my opinion, most of your better players, some of them to ourselves. But what's been going right in the Coventry ranks to make you succeed as well as you have done so far? So it's been quite strange in that I don't think we have any particularly outstanding players at the moment. And it, it just seems that in every area of the pitch, we're just kind of decent enough, possibly just 
missing a goal scorer. I think the number one thing is that we sort of changed our style play up a little bit this season. Definitely much more focused about building the play out from the back and holding on to the ball for long periods of the game. And it just seems that by sort of having long spells in possession, we're sort of limiting what the, the opposition can do to us. And then just generally through somehow from a variety of different sources, really, we're putting the balls in the net enough to uh, have a pretty positive record. I mean, it's quite a strange record. We've drawn a fair amount of games, most of them on the road. We actually haven't won an away game this season. Basically, we've only lost one away game. So uh, it's just feel a little bit like this season, even though we're third places yet to really take off. We haven't really thrashed anyone. We just sort of been getting the job done, which has been a lot better than I expected, really, because it, as you, as you mentioned, we lost quite a few players over the summer. It was really a pretty new looking squad heading into the new season, of course, um, playing at St. Andrews. Uh, we weren't really sure what kind of effect that had, but it just seems that Mark Robbins has done pretty well and just making things seem as normal as possible and just keeping things ticking over, really, and sort of, uh, quite, uh, quite a normal experience watching us this season in really circumstances that shouldn't be normal. You mentioned about obviously the move to St Andrews which was quite a quite a big thing um, I think for any club but with if you've actually been through it before but I noticed that attendances had fallen a little bit for obvious reasons um, at the beginning of the season. Has the success of the team on the pitch or the league position um, which indicates there's been a successful season has that changed attendances at all at the at the ground? Or has it still been like a steady sort of low amount? Yeah, it still feels feels like sort of similar levels. It hasn't really changed that much. I think at the start of this season, when the weather was quite good, it was um, there was almost quite a naughty about it. Uh, I see, I, I live in Bowen, so I know sort of the area around St Andrews quite well. It's quite a nice uh, number of sort of pubs and bars around there, so quite a nice place to go when it's nice and sunny and people sort of checking out for the first time and yeah. just feel now that winter's hitting that maybe um, we're starting to see a little bit of uh, negative impact I don't think the numbers have changed that much but there's um, also issues at the moment with getting the train from Coventry to Birmingham which could affect our um, tendencies over the winter um, so it, it still feels like a amazing thing like when we played at Northampton yeah. for the first few months there was getting that Northampton factor and their team was performing really well it's possibly the best country city team I've been to see came regularly had a Cam Wilson coming through really developing that season they're just such an attacking swashbuckling side um, this is quite different it, it just doesn't feel as different to playing at, at the Rico Arena we're sort of used to playing in quite a big stadium where it's not it's about a third fall and this is only slightly less so there's less of that shock factor but I wonder whether over the course of the season whether we might begin to see uh, a bit of a more of the negative impact but yeah so far so good talked about the the team being almost completely new and I mean I can only judge it on the games we played against you last year, and, but when you look at the lineups, it's vastly changed. But there's three players in the Sunderland ranks at the moment. Um, 
And if it was up to me, there would be four because I wouldn't I wouldn't mind Tom Bayless if he fancies coming on loan. Um, but I noticed that you have obviously changed the team a bit. But but we have got Jordan Willis, who was probably one of your more standout players over the past couple of years. Lee Burge, who was actually a little bit ridiculed by your fans before he came to ourselves. And Mark McNulty, who I think did very well for yourself. Now, to be honest, despite our poor performances of those three players, they're the ones that Actually, I think most fans quite like, especially with Willis and Burge and McNulty, although he's been injured a lot, has actually done all right when he's came in. But what are your memories of like each individual player? Because I know that Lee Burge came with he came with a bit of a, a bad tag, to be honest with you, and he's kind of proven proven us wrong a little bit because we were a bit worried. Yeah, so uh, I'm sort of, I've always sort of been more on Burge's side than quite a lot of Kansas City fans. I think the problem for him was he came into the team when he was first making for his first ten or twenty appearances. He's probably just he was just too young to be um, to be a first choice goalkeeper. He was yeah. only really playing because the uh, lone goalkeepers we tried to replace Joe Murphy with um, just weren't up to standard. So uh, I thought in his first game, Marcus Madison took a free kick from about forty yards, which just blew over his head. She had a bit of a fat hat. And in the second or third game, we were playing Worcester City in the FA Cup, and he picks up a red card. And it just seems the tide was against him right from when he kicked off his commentary career. He's never able to fully convince the section of fans. Uh, he also played quite a big role in our uh, Johnson's Paint Trophy and League 2 promotion winning season. There's still a few errors along the way in the game, particularly I think when it comes to Cain Crosses at times, because he's someone who wants to hold on to the ball when Cain Crosses, he can mix and the bounty just leaves a uh, quite an easy goal for the opposition. I mean, as you saw in the 5-4 game, yeah. there was a couple of crosses, he had a flat out. But, um, yeah, he's quite a solid shot stopper. Maybe not the best with the ball at speed. He sort of Hook um, balls play for him at his feet, so play him quite quickly and under pressure. That's when he seems to uh, struggle. I, I think he's a bit of a confident player. When he's confident, he's at the top. He can just be really, really strong, solid goalkeeper. And when it's not, it just isn't. He just fails to convince yeah. in anything. And I think for the final six months or so of his time with us, his confidence has just hit rock bottom. And it's probably just a time for him to have a bit of a change, really. Uh, it was a bit of a surprise to him go to Sunderland. Um, there was some talk about him going to a championship club, but I wasn't really convinced that was the right move for him. I sort of saw him going to like a smaller league one or two club and just being able to start somewhere with a blank slate and show what he's all about. Uh, but it doesn't seem going into a new environment it's possibly done in the world's good. With, um... And on... Uh, with Burge, it's been it's been weird because like we we've seen a totally different goalkeeper to what we were sort of told. He seems quite confident on crosses. His distribution's quite well. I, I wonder if it was just a fresh start that kind of helped him. Yeah, I, I can imagine. So just just always got helpers whenever he made errors. There, there, there was a number of games where if he made a save, he'd be ironically cheered. It's just it was just absolutely toxic for him by the end. Yeah, and I think I think there's a few. Unfortunately, uh, there's a few players you can you can also probably see that with Sunland as well. But Jordan Willis um, came 
actually had a, a pretty poor debut and then his game against Ipswich wasn't that great but he scored against Portsmouth in the third game of the season and truth be told he's been our most consistent and probably our best defender and has taken the captain's armband a couple of times and, and quite impressed to be completely honest despite his We've been that bad, but he's he's quite well like Jordan Willis at Coventry. He he actually came through the ranks with yourselves and and was part of that that team that Lee Burgess part of that got you promoted and won the the Johnson's paint. But he's quite well liked, I think, isn't he? Yeah, he was. Yeah, he's, he's always just sort of a solid player, probably a six or seven out of ten. Yeah, most weeks. Um, so the one thing is, I possibly not the most commanding, but I think he makes up for that by being. Absolutely, exceptionally quick. Yeah. So he's played higher up the pitch and also just been quite a determined character. It's sort of, yeah, it's sort of, there's never someone who's could be stood out, but never really someone who's let the team down. And someone who's played 200 games like that is obviously got something about them. And he's probably just reached the stage too where he just needs to take that next step in his career and possibly wasn't quite ready to make that move to the championship probably still has a few things to work on yeah very much so I think you know the way you've described um, Jordan Willis is kind of how we see him he's very, he, he can have a stinker but it tends to be when the team has a stinker he tends to be six out six or seven out of ten every single week and I, I agree with what you're saying about him being commanding it's very much about his pace and the way that he can basically make up for any mistakes that he does make by just covering back and he, he actually complements one of our defenders Joel Lynch quite well although the form again although the form's terrible and everything is awful here and, and I hate football Jordan Willis is probably the one alongside Luke O'Neill and that I can probably say has been doing quite well but um, going into the match on Saturday um, Sunderland have quite a few weird little rivalries which I quite like truth be told I think rivalry is always good um, Portsmouth is probably one of them in this division but Sunderland and Coventry have had it for a long long time now I remember 1997 I'll be honest I don't remember before that and it, it still rankles a little bit um, but I'm always quite intrigued as to how Coventry fans view Sunderland because there was a bit of a bit of aggro last year i.e. things were thrown at our fans I think from from yeah. your fans and I think the rivalry that was there might have gone down a little bit because of the years that we haven't played each other, but it sort of stoked itself back again. So how do Coventry fans view Sunderland at the moment? Yeah, I mean, I, I have to admit, it wasn't really something that was on my radar until possibly four or five years ago. Yeah. When uh, I, I think it was like Coventry fans like trolling Sunderland forums or you just see comments on social media and uh, you sort of realise it's Almost, well, if you realise that there's a club up there who doesn't like your club in a slightest, and I think kind of took exception to that and not really having a rival club ourselves to play over the past six or seven years since, yeah. since we were relegated from the championship in 2012, um, when we've been playing Leicester every year. It's sort of, it almost feels like we've been searching for a rival and that sort of uh, increased awareness of what commentary means to Sunderland sort of created an intensity to it um, when we were finally playing each other last season. I wonder whether that same thing will be there this year, uh, particularly in this game, considering that it's not such a large away attendance. It's about 1,200. Uh, so we're not bringing as big numbers and... Uh, I just wonder whether last season teams got out of hand a little bit and yeah. there, may, there may be sort of a stepping back from that. But uh, 
could be interesting to see, particularly, I think, the uh, game at possibly St. Andrews, if we're still playing there in March. Uh, that could be quite an interesting one, obviously, yeah. with the prospect that if someone bring enough fans, they could well outnumber the home support. Yeah, um, and we've done that. We've done that in this league a couple of times and for various different reasons. I think the one that sticks out was Blackpool, but I think that was at the time when they were under the Oysters, so fully fully back their home fans for not going to that game completely get that. Um, with with Coventry as well, I think you mentioned about you have, I think, 1,200 going. I, I don't actually know if this is true or not, but there was a lot of discussion when we had, uh, when Stuart Donald had done talkings about so the situation that we had last year with Coventry and Portsmouth, um, I think Coventry was the original one where there was the things that were thrown over. And then there was an issue with Portsmouth who threw a flare into our end during the league game when we had like 41,000 there. And the, the family zone is, is kind of just underneath it. It's kind of not the sort of end where all the kind of grown men sit. It's actually the opposite, truth be told. You, you get a lot of families and things around that area. And there was a discussion around having like netting to make sure that didn't happen. I know there was a lot of talk around it and there's a lot of things in place that you can and can't do with away fans. And I think that's kind of one of the problems Stuart Donald was having, but it was a real pressing concern for a lot of Sunderland fans. One of the, the things I wanted to ask, did we actually reduce your um, allocation this year or is it the same as last year, but you just didn't bring as many as you did last year? I think it, yeah, I think it's a reduced one, but um, sort of the way the ticket sales are gone, I think last year... Um, when it was the season ticket holder period for sales, they yeah. basically just flew out, uh, or like 2000 of them. Whereas this year, they, uh, they got to general sale, which is about two rounds of, um, like ticket purchasing. Yeah. So it just, it just feels a less of an interest in this game, possibly because the last one was sort of, uh, relatively, uh, close in time. Yeah. Um, do you know, um, I, I think obviously, as much as a lot of fans are angry at Coventry for what they did, and, and I completely get that, and me, me as well, does it sometimes feel as well that there was the actions of of a few kind of spoiled it for the majority, and, and you feel a little bit tainted? Yeah, it's that like reasonable report, and even around home games as well when it sort of scuffles outside, just just left such a bitter taste in yeah. my mouth. It sort of took the shine off the victory slightly, if I'm honest. It's just like who cares if another club doesn't like you why do you why do you just have to why does that give you the right to act like a bit of a dickhead yeah uh, there is always that sort of section of people I think in most sort of uh, away supports but uh, yeah it's just yeah yeah we, to, we had it okay last year we had it last year with um with Portsmouth and, and one of my good friends Hugh who does the uh, the PO4 podcast with Portsmouth. I I hate Portsmouth. I've I've said this for a long time. I I always have, and I probably always will since since the start of that season. But um in terms of obviously you, you may have seen the playoffs and obviously Luke Nine getting a kick and stuff like that when he went over the hoardings. And I think the funny thing was you you see it from our perspective and immediately I kind of hated Portsmouth because of that I seen what happened with Coventry immediately disliked that and obviously things in the past the history with Sunderland and Coventry as well but speaking of Hugh you know Hugh was saying he was like that actually really annoyed people we 
it didn't get shown, but we actually booed him. Like when it happened, he's an embarrassment to the city and the club. And I think sometimes you don't see that side of it. And it's only fair, I think, to have another side of it as well, because it's very easy for me to be angry at Coventry. But I think it is very much the actions of, of a few rather than the majority. And it's a shame because if there has been a reduced allocation, there is going to be genuine fans who would have wanted to come to that game where maybe they're not able to get tickets for it. But as it is, like you say, it's gone through a few different phases and actually it's gone the other way and maybe feels like people don't want to go because it was spoilt for them last year. So that's quite interesting. Um, On your team itself, I did actually see someone in a Coventry shirt, I think last week, trying to masquerade as Lionel Messi, taking on just about seven or eight different players. Now, I promise you, if anyone hasn't seen the goal, it's uh, Liam Walsh. She scored against... Um, I think it was Rochdale uh, he literally yeah. takes the ball from the halfway line beats about seven or eight players and it's an absolute screamer which probably should have had more uh, more, more coverage than it probably did but I always do a section where I look at three players that I think are your key players um, who would you say the three players that currently should watch and where do you think you can damage us at the weekend so I, I, yeah I, I think Liam Walsh the sort of uh, stamped his mark on the team over the past couple of games. Uh, he's sort of a real ball play midfielder. He's, sorry, his game's not really about bursting through midfield and beating the ball players like you saw with that goal. Yeah. Sort of someone that I think generally wants to sit on the ball and uh, pick a pass. Uh, but I think he has shown with that goal in a few moments as well that perhaps he's more a player who can play box to box than someone he sits back a little. At times he's been playing as our most sort of deep line midfielder and he's just not built to play that role. He's tiny, about five foot five. Yeah. Um, so uh, we'll hopefully have Liam Kelly back in the side. He's more of a defensive midfielder for this game, which um, will let him off the leash a little bit. Um, I'd also watch out for our right wing back, Fankati Dabo, who is just an absolute fun player to watch. He's played with such manic energy. Uh, covers a lot of ground, does a tackle, tries to score. He's got a, he's got a good cross in him, and sort of similar on the other side to uh, with Brandon Mason. So at the moment we don't really have much of a attack force to speak of. We've got I think, three strikers injured and another one suspended. So uh, it's mainly about our midfield and those wing backs. I was looking through, um, I did like a, a preview at the beginning of the season and I looked through players uh, like that would be a key player, I thought. And because you'd lost that many players, the one person that stuck out for me was uh, Wesley, I think it's Wesley Jobolo, I think is it pronounced. Well, I looked at his stats, he's played about 11 games, but he, he hasn't really, on the basis of statistics, I, I don't watch him every week, but hasn't seemed to have hit the ground running as much as I thought. How has he been performing? Yeah, so uh, he picked up an ACL injury at uh, the start of October, so he hasn't hasn't been playing. He's sort of possibly sort of six out of ten player when I saw him. Yeah. He was playing a four three three and he was playing on the right of it. And he's more sort of an out and out winger. Yeah. So he just wants to stay wide and pin crosses into the box. Um which which he did quite reliably. There was just that quality with the uh what where he was he was crossing. He's sort of slightly kind of uh minus player but uh, someone you could sort of rely on to do his job and as long as you sort of had a system in which to contain that yeah. he was a reasonably effective player yeah um, we've discussed it already a little bit about you know Coventry's fate relatively similar to Sunderland's in the way that you sort of went from the premiership where you'd been for a long long time and then just kind of fell through this kind of 
massive trap door through the leagues. Um, I think a lot of people have watched it. I don't know if you have, but I know our Netflix documentary went down for for good and, and bad reasons, really. Um, some people like to watch it to find it funny. Some people watched it as a genuine documentary. And I think me, myself, actually really enjoyed it as a Sunderland fan. But did you watch any of that Netflix series? And if you did, did any of it feel quite familiar? Yeah, um, yeah. <laughs> I have to admit, I, I watched it just to, uh, just as, as I'm watching a uh, car crash. Yeah. By the <laughs> side of the road. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I suppose one of the main things that was interesting from a commentary perspective was uh, the period where Chris Coleman was in charge. Um, it was just quite interesting because I absolutely hated him from his spell with us. Sort of his two. Um, was someone had a reputation that didn't match his managerial talents, and so you kind of forget that uh, they're also human as well. So it's interesting to just see him, to see sort of how personable he was. But then it was quite telling. It was a talking head, wasn't there, with uh, Aidan McGee, yeah. where he basically came out and said players weren't getting that much tactical instruction from him, and yeah. that kind of fan true based on watching uh, his teams play football <laughs> over a period of, of a few years. I suppose that sort of uh, tumbling out of the top flight thing, it just took so long for us to reverse. It just felt like we were sort of stumbling from place to place, just hoping there'd be a solution. There wasn't really, didn't really seem to be much of a plan the way we went about things. Sort of had the first season where we were spending a bit of money, which it turns out we didn't really have. And then afterwards, we were just always sort of cost cutting and trying to find the short term solution, trying to Kyra Manager had success a few years earlier and uh yeah, sort of just took that shock and all of seeing these two probably for a reverse. There's always there was always through that thing you always think to yourself, Oh, you can't get worse, you can't get worse and uh sorry the thing with football always counts, there's always relegation places available and uh, you've got to try and fight as hard as you can to uh avoid complacency and suppose you've got to get lucky as well with uh finding the right manager. I mean, got Mark Fromm's in charge, but if you look at his track record elsewhere, it doesn't immediately scream out to you this is the man who could turn around country city. Aside from having a really good first spell with us, which is about five months long, which couldn't really accurately judge him from, um, it was a bit of luck that he just turned out to be the right man at the right time. It's funny you mentioned about Chris Coleman because... I think a lot of Sunderland fans when he first came in felt that he was the right character. I think that there's a kind of an in-joke between me and a, a couple of mates and I think probably some other mates as well, unbeknown to myself, where it was like Chris Coleman, he gets it. And it's like, it felt like he got it and he had that sort of passion. He came in from a, a really, really good uh, record at Wales where he'd basically taken them further than anyone had before. Now, we've obviously recently changed our manager and it's funny you mentioned about... Um, Coleman being at Coventry as well, which kind of completely skipped my mind. Now, he took you as far as I'm away at that point to the lowest league finish in more than 45 years. And I think he got relegated two years later. So it was almost like, I don't want to put the blame on him for that because I don't know enough about it, but I don't think he was that successful. And you've sort of echoed that as well. Um, but back to the point about maybe ourselves in terms of appointing Phil Parkinson, and he has a good track record at this level, um, as far as we can see. Um not with Colchester in the championship, as Charlie Methvin incorrectly pointed out, which I will point out. Um, but he did obviously have um, a really, really good League One pedigree, shall we say. Now, I was 
very much of the opinion that it should be someone who could bring in a, a character and a personality that suited Sunderland. And I, I, you know, I very much felt like Kevin Phillips would be a good choice. I think a lot of people felt like Roy Keane would be a good choice. And sometimes it's all about having the right kind of character at the right club as opposed to having um, a, a good a good pedigree, I suppose. And I think when you look at Chris Coleman, how well he did at Wales, it's almost like he suited Wales perfectly. Mark Robbins is suiting Coventry perfectly. And we're still searching for the person that suits ourselves perfectly as well. Um, with Sunderland's situation at the moment and, and Parkinson and things like that, have you been quite surprised at how badly Parkinson started the season? Yeah, quite. Well, I mean, it is still the earlier days, but you would have thought that Paul Parkinson's kind of manager he could have come in and had a short-term impact. Just wonder whether the squad available is quite the kind of squad that Phil Parkinson excels with. Uh, from watching, like, seeing country comes against the team that he's managed, it's sort of very uh, back-to-basics approach, yeah. let's say, where yeah, yeah. I think the value players who just work their tops off. Obviously, he's like having a target man, but... Uh, Wonder whether Sunderland squad is a bit sort of uh, there's, there's a few sort of maverick characters in there, people who sort of want the team to be built around, and whether that's quite the kind of fit with Phil Parkinson. But as I say, it, it's still early days. Uh, I think he is kind of the first uh, manager who's shown that when given enough time, generally makes a success of things. So, uh, but. Uh, I mean, those early results, particularly in cup competition, obviously haven't set him up well at all. That's what makes this game on Saturday quite an important one for him. Yeah, it's huge, I think. I think um, Saturday's game's paramount. Even I think we're nine games into his or ten games into his, into his Sunderland um, career, and I think we've lost six or seven of them. I can't remember the exact stats. It's not good, put it that way, and I think... People have pinpointed Saturday's game as absolutely huge. And then we got a rearranged game against Burton at home on the Tuesday. So the next two games are absolutely paramount. But it's very easy for me to say I don't think there's any players that you should be worried about coming up on Saturday because that's just kind of the mood that I'm in and I think the fan base is in. But it's very easy to look from an uh, insular viewpoint of, you know, none of the players are performing that well. Which players are Coventry fans a little bit worried about, i.e., where do you feel you're weakest and where do you think we're strongest and where do you think we could potentially damage you? So, I think the biggest Achilles heel of the team, aside from not being clinical in front of the goal, is that uh, we do like taking on risk playing out from the back. So, I think any forward who can play with energy and really sort of unsettle us it's going to cause us problems. So, for more than someone like Duncan Watmore, who uh, will uh, try and hassle us and cause problems, I think sort of sort of depends on the way you set up. I think if you sort of go to the juggler and knock us out of our rhythm, that's where you're going to find joy. Also, think as well uh, our goalkeeper Marco Moreschi, even though he's generally been quite solid this season, just still suspect he's quite weak on crosses. He's the type of keeper who will try and uh, go and uh, like punch across away rather than claim it, which uh, can lead to rebounds. I just don't think he's that confident claiming them. So I think anyone who can put a decent ball in and anyone who can get on the end of a cross, uh, that's going to be an- another area to pinpoint. I think 
when we played Rotherham uh, back in October, which we, we just weren't set up to take on a team that were going to practice high at the pitch and force those errors. So uh, I think stylistically, that's uh, that's what someone should be looking to do against us. So just to kind of finish off then, I suppose, as always, we'll, we'll go score predictions. But I'll, I'll go mine first. Um, uh, I, I can see Coventry winning it 3-1. I think you'll have too much for us in terms of pace, physicality and, and on the break. And I think it could be potentially really toxic from the first minute for the right or wrong reasons um, on Saturday. But but just to finish off, how do you feel like the game's going to go on Saturday? What is your prediction? Uh, I am being pessimistic, sorry. Uh, I just got the game. Those uh, quite few ex-commentary players in a team sort of uh, sort of brings out the superstition in fans. So <laughs> it does. I reckon this might be where you see something click a little bit for Phil Parkinson. This might be like a two-one win for Sunderland. I'll take that. I'll take that in a heartbeat. But Dom, thanks very much for popping on. Um, okay. I hope you don't enjoy Saturday too much, um, but that's that's just honesty. But um, enjoy the rest of the season. Thanks for coming on as always, and um, All right. feel free to stay in touch. Thanks, mate. Normally, being a little extra can be a bit much, but when it comes to healthcare, it pays to be extra. And United Healthcare makes it easy with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they supplement your primary plan, helping you manage out-of-pocket costs without the usual requirements and restrictions like deductibles and enrollment periods. So when it comes to covering your medical bills, you can feel good about being a little extra. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade.